Hello and welcome to Wallflowers in Bloom, a podcast where we share the joys and challenges of being introverts. I'm Jenny. And I'm Eric. Each episode, we share with you stories and antidotes that touch on how we prosper and thrive in a world dominated by extroverts. We also have guest speakers who share their experience and expertise on this topic and read letters from our fellow Wallflower listeners on how they cope and conquer. So grab your favorite beverage, settle in, and relax with us. Music is by Nate Johnson. Hello, Jenny. Hi, Eric. Welcome, everybody, to Wallflowers in Bloom. We have really special guests today from Salud Podcasts, which I've been listening to, and it's just been awesome and fun. You guys, we have Jose and Cesar here. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hey. hey. hey welcome. Welcome. Hola, hola. Mainly... What we're here for is Los Hombres No Pueden Llorar, or No Deben Llorar. God, I sing the song in my head all the time. And I... Dicen que los hombres no deben llorar. Dicen que los hombres no deben llorar. And we're talking about mental health and mental health in men, more specifically. You guys, your podcast is so much fun. And it's real and it's raw. And I love that you guys are not afraid to like touch on subjects that can be taboo. But you know what? They need to be talked about. So thank you for being on. We're a small podcast, but thank you. We appreciate it. No, thank you. Yeah, Jenny turned me on to those two episodes, and that really pulled me into it. And then I like, too, because I know some Spanish, so the fact that you switch back and forth, I was like, oh, good, I can follow it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we want to be true when we were doing this podcast because it could have been all in English, but then that doesn't really represent who we are as first generation sons of immigrants. So we speak Spanish and we speak English. And, you know, there's this huge wave of Spanglish and now everybody's embracing it. When we were growing up, it was like, ah, you can't do that. No puedes hacer eso. Um, just speak either Spanish or English. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically for me, because my Spanish has gotten worse through the years. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we did do one episode just in complete Spanish, mm -hmm. I'm in there like, you know, chopping some words up and they were just laughing at me, but it was all fun. So you think you're great at Spanish, but you don't realize how bad your Spanish is until you speak to a Spanish speaker. And you're like, okay, sorry, what? <laughs> can, can you repeat it slower? <laughs> exactly. And you catch yourself saying like, wait, did I pronounce that right? Mm -hmm. Yesterday I was hearing one of my coworkers say pandemico instead of pandemia. And I'm like, oh my God, that is a perfect example of these two cultures merging into one. And then here comes somebody saying, estamos en un pandemico. And it's like pandemia, but. <laughs> There's all these little words. Who was the brains or not the brains, but who came up with the idea and just dragged each other along or it started with caesar he had been telling me since probably like february of last year like hey you should start a podcast or we should start a podcast and i had just gotten a new job and i was just like uh, all right sounds cool i feel like we're going too late into the game of podcasting people have already been doing it for quite some time it's sort of like when i started to do youtube i was like i'm already late in the game i'm gonna lose motivation doing it and that's exactly what I thought like doing this podcast would do. Little did I know that in March, I would get 
furloughed because of the whole pandemic. So in that time that I was off, I started reassessing what I wanted to do and, okay, so what else can I do in order to just kind of keep progressing in my career? So then Caesar again was like, hey, we should really start a podcast. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. But I don't want to just start a podcast or we both didn't just want to start a podcast because at first it was like, well, what are we going to talk about? Pendejadas. We wanted to make it sound cool. We wanted to be fun. Some of the names that we had come up with were like compas. But being the brains that we both are, we were like, we want something that people can say in one or two syllables, something short, something simple that represents our bicultural roots. And then the word salud just encompasses so many things in it. And we just started planning. And then from planning for about three, four months, we released our first episode, September 15th, 2020, because it represented a good day for both of us being, you know, Mexican-American. It is a good day. I could tell it was very well thought out and I have a design background, so I really like the logo and the podcast cover. So that was a bonus for me. So what are your guys' uh, backgrounds professionally? I'll let Jose tell you my background since he knows me so well. <laughs> uh, so he's a stripper. He's a professional stripper. I'd, I'd be in debt so quick. <laughs> I don't know, bro. I thought about it. Cardi B's inspiring me. <laughs> uh, only me fans or fans only page. Not even that. Just making some money on the side that's not taxable. <laughs> the IRS is going to listen to this and now they're going to start auditing your taxes just for saying that. <laughs> but no, so me, my background, went to school for accounting, graduated my BS in accounting, then got my CPA and got my master's actually last year, August. Currently, I'm a director of finance and I am in the waste industry. And I also have a small consulting firm, which does consulting, tax, and accounting, focusing primarily on the Latino community. How do we enhance financial literacy? How do we help small businesses take advantage of some of the tax loopholes that other larger companies take advantage of? So really providing that knowledge. And, you know, that's my goal eventually to grow that in the next five years and see where it goes. Helping the community. That's really important. Yeah, especially with small businesses. I'm trying to start my own small business and just the details of it can be so difficult. I've done so much research, but it can be so overwhelming if you don't know what you're looking for. I like what you said, financial literacy, was it? Yeah, there's so much opportunity out there for minorities to just learn some of the things that people have been doing for years, you know, and it's like, we just need to come together and... Thanks, he's you inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you guys are friends. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be just like you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to teach financial literacy. Um, so my background is uh, not as extensive as Caesar's. He actually had a study for all this, and he's actually doing what he majored in. Uh, I did business as well, business marketing, because when I was trying to do like, oh, something in business, I'm good at math. I'm just not good with numbers and money. And I was like, ah, no. So I went with like coloring and how do I promote things? <laughs> so then I got my MBA in marketing management as well. I did it more as a cushion just because I really wanted to go into the entertainment industry. 
And I really wanted to, you know, go into Univision. I wanted to go into Spanish TV, Spanish radio. And I didn't know if that was a dream that I was going to be able to accomplish coming from a first generation background where all we grow up is listening to, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. Nothing wrong with that. I just wanted to take my chances at a dream. So then I got the opportunity to start working in radio in 2016. And, you know, to make a long story short, well, now I work in radio in LA for a Spanish radio station as a producer slash on-air host. And then just trying to make our podcast, Salud Podcast, grow. And then right now, currently working on my CPT and CNN certifications to become a personal trainer and a nutritional coach, just to do that on the side and get Latinos out there fit, get our community to start moving. I think you guys are a big representation of how far the Latino community has come and, you know, everything we really, truly are capable of. I worked in accounting for a while. I was let go in June because of COVID. What do you do when you're a single mom and you need to make money? You build your own business. And the reason I got into accounting was because I wanted to go to art school and everybody's like, what are you going to do in art school? How are you going to pay your bills? Was there an opportunity to go back and do that? Because I'm a single mom, I kind of need to provide, but I do want to. And it sounds kind of weird of like wanting to make sure that financially I'm stable and then going back to school where a lot of people go to school to become financially stable. So I'm kind of doing everything backwards. But yes, that is definitely on the table. It's just a matter of when I can go back. We should do our mental health check-in. Oh, okay. So usually we do just a check-in on how we're doing, like mental health check-in, just how our week went, how we're feeling. In the past episodes, I've talked about me battling my depression, you know, with being laid off and, you know, not working and all that. And then Eric's talked about him being out of the country and maneuvering that. So we just kind of say how we're feeling, how our week is going. So let's start with Jose since he likes to talk. You're the professional talker. (laughs) Exactly. You're a professional talker. (laughs) My mental check-in. Let's see, how did the week go? Well, it's been stressful at work because I'm trying to do like five, 10 jobs at a time and there's not a lot of help. So I have been leaning a lot on my friends to, you know, have that emotional support. Obviously trying to keep myself busy with other projects such as Salud podcast, such as, you know, trying to make money on the side and studying for my CPT exam. So it's been stressful. It's been fun. Hence why I like to work out to relieve some stress. But I am pushing through. I am my own self-motivator. But I always rely on my friends to kind of also just keep tabs on me and accountability. That's really good. Having someone keeping tabs, someone to talk to. Yeah, and I'm very open about like, hey, this is what's going on. I've never been one to be like, hey, what's wrong? Uh, well, nothing. No, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> so just in keeping with our podcast is more about like introversion, extroversion. So Jose, how do you identify? I think I know the answer, but. I'm an introvert for sure. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm an extrovert. I've tried to convince myself sometimes that like I'm in between like an introvert and an extrovert. Like, oh, no, I don't want no <laughs> labels. But no, I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert. And it's funny because the majority of my friends and my closest friends are all introverts. You're the extrovert that adopts introvert. 
all my friends are extroverts and I get dragged to all these events. I'm like, okay, here I go. Yeah, there's definitely a spectrum of extroverts and I think I'm on the outer end. Yeah. So Caesar, how's your week going? A week has been stressful to a point where I even text my girlfriend during the week and said, hey, I was thinking about my side gig and I'm like, maybe I'll just have to do that full time. Like, I know I can do it. Like, I don't know if I want to do my job for much longer, two, three more years. And I was just overwhelmed at some political stuff that happens within the organization. And so I'm like, do I need to be dealing with this kind of crap when I know I can do something else for the community and help them out? I'm going to take a pay cut, but it's a start. So all that was going through my mind this week. And so, so Sarah, how do you identify introvert or extrovert? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm definitely an extrovert. I just think over the years, I've learned to read the room and adapt to it. So when it comes to work and being in a professional environment, you have to know the room, read body languages and know you can't say certain jokes or certain things, no matter how bad they want to come out. So I've learned to adapt, but I think an extrovert that's been tamed. Yeah. You should have seen him in college. It depends on the type of day, I guess. So Eric, how's your week going? I liked what you said, Jose, about self-motivator, because that's one of the things I've really had to discover within myself this last year and a half. Definitely pursuing something that some people may not understand and kind of trusting, I always say that place in the center, if it feels calm and it feels nurturing, then... I may not know the outcome, but as long as it feels okay, then just keep moving forward. This past week has been pretty good. I'm in Liverpool, as I said. I've been here a month now, and things are opening up here. I came from Stockholm, Sweden, and I've been in Sweden most of the pandemic, and they've done it a lot differently. So in some ways, I feel like I'm crawling out of a spaceship and going, oh my God, what's going on? (laughs) The self-motivating thing, I always have a schedule I do every morning. You know, with this platform that we're doing and seeing how it's growing and then a couple of the projects I have on my own. I did something yesterday. I looked up how to trademark logos. It's something we can talk about later, too. Yeah. I came across a YouTube video where they were saying, you know, you don't want to get into a space where people see your idea, they like your idea, and then they take it. And then just, uh, I like hearing you guys talk about how you open up and you share with your people in your support group. You know, Jenny and I and her family, we've known each other for a long time and they've definitely been my support group. But, you know, here in Europe, I'm expanding that and allowing myself or being encouraged to, because I'm that person that can default to saying, oh, everything's cool. And now I'm like, you know what? It's not so great. And I don't feel good. And allowing myself to say, you know what? I kind of feel like shit right now. So... But that hasn't been this week, so it's been pretty good. So yeah. How about you, Jenny? How's your week been? It's been an interesting week. Um, My daughter started school, so there's a new schedule going on, and it's only part-time, well, one day a week. I mentioned before, I'm like still battling depressions. You know, I go to therapy, you know, and sometimes I feel more self-motivated than other days. Some days are better than other days. This week has just been kind of a weird week. I have a question for you, Jenny. Do you say battling with depression? Because I don't know, my old roommate, I told her and like to just do like the code switch, the whole living with depression instead of battling with depression, just because I felt with her, it was sort of like stigmatized to say like, I'm battling with depression, like I need to get over it as opposed to, to a certain extent, embracing that I'm living with depression. And some days are okay. Some are 
not okay, but that's okay. People understand that I'm living with it, but I'm managing it. Um, I actually haven't thought about it that way of say, living with it. But yeah, I think living with depression is a good way of putting it. I've always just said I battle it. Maybe that's my optimism. (laughs) No, and it's nothing bad. And that's something that with our podcast and our platform, we try to say like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being depressed because there is a taboo about it, especially in the Hispanic culture. Like, Yeah, and now that you speak about it, and I appreciate that, that you're open about it because I don't think I've heard many people be as open about it as you are. Latinos, we're always trying to find the root cause of things. Like, oh, I have diabetes. Mm -hmm. I had too much tortillas, too much sugar. This is that's the cause of diabetes, depression. We don't know where it really comes from. I mean, there's certain things that may lead to it, but we want to always root cause it, find some sort of reason why it happened, and then it makes us feel a little bit better as Latinos. And then I think not just the Latino community, a lot of communities. Yeah, that kind of ties into the episodes, the ones about the men and mental health and then just sharing our feelings. I know tied to mental health, you mentioned about how that's kind of a taboo subject in the Latino community. And it's similar in the Black community. They say, pray it away. You don't have to go to a doctor. But can you kind of touch on that a little bit? I think... Like you've mentioned, it's taboo in both of our communities, the Black community and then the Latino community. I think for me, a pivotal turning point was realizing how emotional my dad was, showing it in his face, crying, but holding his tears and not really expressing it. I love watching TV and I love watching... um, well, when I was younger, I would watch novelas because I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to go into the entertainment industry. So, so you see, you know, the portrayal of like loving fathers and, oh, they would do anything for their kids. But then you're not really living it at home. And yes, it's TV and it's not reality. For me, I couldn't help to realize, well, how come I don't have these conversations or how come my dad has never said I love you? And then how come I can't talk to him like, you know, I would see in TV like, oh, my God, my my son has a girlfriend. Like, let me talk to him about like, how are you doing with your girlfriend? Like, I couldn't have these conversations with my dad. So then to me, it was sort of like, well, I can't really change him and I can't really change the past. But how can I slowly progress myself to get more comfortable to have these types of conversations with my dad? And how am I going to be a better man for my children in the future? So it's still a work in progress with my own father. I have been able to tell him I love him. I have cried in front of him. I've seen him cry. He just hasn't had, I guess he's gotten teary-eyed, but no words come out of his mouth. But it'll eventually happen. God willingly, it'll eventually happen. But I know I would want to be that kind of father for my kids. Where I'm the cool dad, but like, hey, how you feeling? But like, for real, how you feeling? Do you guys feel that pressure a lot? That man up pressure? Yeah, you know, sometimes it comes from peer pressure. Sometimes it's not even your own family. It's the people you surround yourself with, whether it's jokingly or not. It's like, hey, just man up, drink that beer. You know, oh, stop being a pussy, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure amongst us. And and we need to learn to say no. And people need to be okay with us saying no. Um, And at the same time, some things that I've done to start opening up with my friends, it's like, hey, have a good night. Drive safe. Like simple things. You know, hey, I love you, man. I didn't realize, like, just those simple those things. Simple things. Yeah, that, that you probably say to someone that you, like, share life with, like, a partner or family. 
you can also say that to your close friends and you know people and it goes a long way i mean i'm not that emotional so for me it's been a struggle to open up through this podcast and jose sometimes will be like all right this is the outline of the podcast but we don't know where it's going and then he'll throw in like a freaking curveball and ask me a question like ah, and i'll start answering it but you can still tell i hold back a lot now as friends how did you two come about having these types of conversations I think like at the start of the podcast, we didn't know where it was going. We were like, well, what if we just do shits and giggles and just talk about like stupid shit that we did in college? And then the very first episode is called Ni De Aquí, Ni De Allá. And we were like, oh, let's just talk about our experience as being bicultural, first generation Mexican-American. And then little by little, it was sort of like, hey, I don't feel like I'm Mexican. Hey, I don't feel like I'm American. I'm kind of in between because when I'm here, I get judged by the Anglos. And then when I'm over there, it's like I'm not Mexican enough for my Mexican family. So then it just started getting into these deeper conversation and it started being fun and therapeutic. So then we just kind of decided to keep it that way, but with our own little twist of still talking about pendejadas, still talking about dumb stuff that we do. And it's been, uh, yeah, therapeutic. And it's been really healthy for me just to have somebody to talk to and just kind of be like, hey, I'm going to say everything y que me valga madre. Um, like, I don't give a shit. If I get judged for it, I'm already being judged. I work in radio. Like, this is who I am. And I'm going to be as truthful to myself and to everybody just because I know at the end of the day, it'll help somebody. So then that's what I tell Caesar. I was like, Caesar, you got to open up, boo. <laughs> It's starting to trend a little bit nowadays, but I think people are still hesitant to open up. Your video, Jose, of your dad when your dad retired and the fact that you chose to go on camera and be vulnerable, like I choked up. I was like, oh my God, there was such a beauty in that. And just seeing like what you're going through emotionally, but also seeing how somebody especially a man and a man in entertainment a man that's a lot of people look up to just decided you know what this is reality and it's okay and i'm okay with it yeah and i think for many years like i've been using my platform to not i wouldn't want to say a facade but i've been showing like the pretty the fun the nice like that's not my reality. Like, yeah, I'll post good pictures on my personal Instagram, but this platform that Caesar and I created, it is vulnerability. It is a tool and an, a resource for people to know the real A, us, and B, to know that there's people you can reach out. There's people you can identify with. So I thought about it. I was like, this just happened. Should I just go live? Should I share? But it was the most natural thing for me to do since I already do it on the podcast. I talk about how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, or what is happening in our lives. And I don't have a significant <laughs> other to talk to. So I was like, y'all are my significant others for the moment. So hear a brother out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was too busy golfing, so I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just a bad week, like last week. So I was just like, oh, my dad left. I'm on a road. No, it's different because my mom has already been gone for months at a time in Mexico. And my dad, at the most, has been gone two weeks. So we always knew he was going to come back. Obviously, I still know he's going to come back. Um, but he's literally making the transition to have a life out there. 
So he's going to be out for months. And then my mom's going back in like two, three weeks. And me and my brothers are just staying here, which I think is a testament of how privileged me and my family are in the sense that my parents can go back and make a life out there because not a lot of people, A, have the resource to do it or B, live a life to actually fulfill that. I think of the expression vulnerability is strength, you know, and sharing your emotions. And I think of two like romantic relationships. That's the things you hear the most usually is that I didn't know how my partner felt. So the fact that you guys are setting that example is a really great thing, especially for men. So there's a quote and we just kind of want to get your thoughts about it. What does it mean to be a man? So season two, episode one, where we had Ricardo Rivera, he's from Ciudad de Mexico. That was the interview that's completely in Spanish, which I struggled in, but he brought up a really great point and one that now I can't get out of my head. Fortunately for me, a man is someone who doesn't limit himself, doesn't limit himself to expressing himself, doesn't limit himself to fitting a certain mold, an expectation that has been set. It was a powerful episode, to say the least, and what he's doing with his community of men. And there is, like you said, other communities out there, you know, vouching for men and wanting us to be more vulnerable. Uh, to me, what a man is, is at the end of the day, it goes back to being a good human being, like without putting labels, if you're a woman or a man, like just be a good person, a good husband, a good father, a good human being, be nice, respectful. So to me, it's it's living your truthful life, because so many people and so many men are too fearful to just do and say from being judged by society and don't get me wrong still sometimes i'm being judged but i was like i still don't give a fuck because i've already been judged all my life and now i'm being a lot more happier with who i am so i think at the end of the day is a man is what you make of it as long as you're a good person i had a question for caesar you have your significant other and i was curious is there sometimes where you think like I can't talk to her about this. It's too deep or it's not something I would want her to know. Or do you ever limit yourself in the emotions you share with your significant other? Good question. I think, yeah, I, I think still limit myself for sure. hundred percent. There are certain times when I'm like proud of her and I miss her and I just sometimes don't say, it, but show it in a different way with a hug, but I won't say, Hey, I miss you, you know, or whatever. She'll have to ask me, and then I'll be like, yeah, I do. But it won't come from me. There's still obviously a lot of room for growth. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys do the love language test? <laughs> Everybody has a love language and you do a quiz to find out what each other's love languages are. Yeah, there are like seven of them, right? I think. It's supposed to help. Um, in connection to relationships, because one of the things I heard you in one of your episodes talk about was what ways women contribute to gender roles, specifically with men, and talking about feelings and relationships, is there like a concern that if I get too emotional, she's going to think, oh, well, you're not man enough or you're not strong enough? 
to me personally, if a woman is thinking that about my vulnerability, then I think there's a lot of things that she needs to reassess and reevaluate because it's that's how it should be. Because if we're both open, then that means we're being open about communication about and the relationship's just going to get better. And if there's already like self-doubt and whatnot, then I don't know. It's something that you should reassess and kind of reevaluate and be like, why can't I be emotional? You know, that's your person. That's your person that you should be able to open up without any judgment. There should never be judgment there. That is the one person that you know you can talk to, that you guys can be there for each other. And talking about your feelings as men on your platform, have you had pushback or guys that come up to you to the side and say, you know what, don't don't share our secret? Uh, maybe one comment, maybe in like the beginning. Yeah, I think you read it on the podcast, right? For the most part, it was sort of their views on gender norms and what men should be and then stop talking about feelings. But it was probably because it's uncomfortable to that man and it was something that's not common for that person to do. But all we can do is kind of encourage men to do it because at the end of the day, it's de-stressing. Yeah, and I'll get messages or texts from friends that I've known that I wouldn't expect to listen to the podcast. Like, hey, you guys are doing a great job. And so sometimes there's just people out there waiting for someone to normalize it. Or sometimes they're just waiting to relate to someone. It's surprising to see, like Caesar said, a lot of our friends reaching out they've been wanting to talk about these certain topics or they'll even say like, hey, why don't you guys talk about this? Because maybe it's not something that they're comfortable talking about, but they want to hear our thoughts as men. That way they feel a lot more comfortable to start the conversation as opposed to say like, hey, I'm feeling like this. Hey, Cesar and Jose said this. What do you think? There's so much shame put on it that people tend to be scared and then, you know, I'm sure everybody has gone through bullying at some point in their life. And you're living with that constant fear of, are they going to bully me if I, if I make this comment? It's a habit that you need to remove. Yeah. What are different toxic masculinity habits that you think men need to work on? Well, I mean, definitely just adding the gender roles like, oh, men shouldn't mop, clean, do the dishes and whatnot. And that should be left to the women. Men need to focus on, you know, taking out the trash and fixing cars. And I can tell you, like, Caesar knows way more about cars. I hardly know anything about cars. I want to learn because I want to learn it but not because society is telling me as a man that I should do it. And I think those are specific gender roles. For me, it'd be more just the peer pressure amongst your friends. And if you don't want to do something, don't do it. And there was something I had seen online. It was about a roller coaster. It kind of impacted me because it was this little boy was being told, like, you want to go on the roller coaster? And he was saying, no. You know, even adults were like, come on, you'll like it. It'll be fun. You have to try it. And he kept saying no. And the dad of the little boy said, does it take more courage to say no or does it take more courage to get on? It takes more courage to say no and stand up to that peer pressure and know, like, your limit and your boundary and one example that comes to mind is when you talk about mental health and like it's okay to say no to things. Like if you're at work and you're overworked, overloaded, and someone asks you to do something, it's okay to say no. Thing, so it does a lot for mental health. Yeah. 
And I think as men, we have so much pride, even with work, where it's like, yes, this, yes, that. And we want to show our best feature and whatnot. But it's okay to ask for help. I think that's something as men, we tend not to do. We will all want to be alpha males. We all want to say like, yeah, like, look at me. I can do this on my own. But in reality, nobody does anything on their own. True. Everybody's where they're at, thanks to somebody else. Exactly. When you uh, touched on gender roles, you know, being in Sweden and Stockholm in particular, growing up in the States, which is very patriarchal. And me as a gay man, you know, having to readjust my perceptions of what masculinity is because they're they're more what we used to call metrosexual. There were guys I would meet as friends knowing they had a wife, but they would say, oh, I love cooking or whatever. And I was like, you like cooking? Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a readjustment. Uh, me and my buddies, sometimes we'll text each other, hey, what are you guys going to wear? Just like women do. Like, what are you going to wear to this event? Thinking shorts and a tee, all right, cool. And then we'll be like, all right, now we know what the standard is. But yeah, I do that with my friends. I do that too. Like I'll text some of my closest friends. They're like, oh, what are you wearing? And I'm like, okay, here's my outfit. And they're like, all right, looks good. <laughs> we were talking about it in a, episode two of season two. It's like the word metrosexual. I think back then, and when I say back then, like probably like five, 10 years ago, people were like, oh, people who do their eyebrows, people who take care of their skin, want to look good in an outfit, like they were considered metrosexual and to a certain extent were more swayed to being gay. Now that word has been obsolete and has been transformed into normalcy into like, yes, men should take care of their skin. Men should take care of their health. Men, if they wanted to, they should dress nice because they want to look nice like there is no shame in that i don't think me and caesar and in our group of friends uh because we have these types of conversations and we're lucky and privileged enough that they're able and willing to have these conversations that it's like a no judgment free zone we'll make fun of each other you know playing around but never to the extent like oh you shouldn't which one of you have gotten a manicure (laughs) i have not I've had a pedi twice. I think all men should get pedicures because toes are important. <laughs> I agree. Oh, you got the pedi too, Caesar? I mean, my toes aren't that bad. <laughs> I got one for the first time about five years ago. And then my second one was three weeks ago. One of our mutual friends, Alex, he regularly goes to get a pedi and a mani with his wife. And I was like, you know what? Like, I am stressed. Let's go get a pedi. I haven't done one in five years. He's like, yeah, bro, let's go. And I was like, all right, cool. I remember my ex-husband, I took him to get a pedicure and he grumbled the entire way and he was not happy about it. And he's like, if we're going, we're going out of the city where nobody knows me. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about an episode too, like Botox. That's another thing that people are starting to normalize, like Botox for men. I will admit I've had one manicure and I did not like the shininess. I just felt like my hands were shooting out lasers. I was so self-conscious. It's blinding someone. I was like hiding my hands. Um, and then speaking of norms, this is one of my struggles. My parents are gay. So I grew up with men doing the routines. One of my dads is a psychiatrist. So expressing my emotions, it was normal. So I didn't realize it wasn't normal until I was an adult, until I started dating and realizing like, oh, you don't want to talk about feelings. Now, you mentioned in your episodes about saying I love you to your family members or friends. 
which to me was quite powerful because like part of my story is I met my birth father in adulthood and instant bond. It was an amazing experience. But for me, it was an adjustment because he was somebody a lot like you guys where he was expressive. And I remember the first time he said, I love you. I froze. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I just stood there. My friends were like, oh, did you say it back? I was like, no, I just said, good talking to you. Bye. How was the adjustment for you getting used to saying that to those around you? Definitely took some courage for me. I knew that I wanted to say it. It, it was just at the tip of my tongue. And it's like, well, let's just get it out of the way and say it. And it was a struggle. It was definitely a struggle. But once you get past that fear and that first time, it, it just opens the doors to be more emotional, more expressive with your peers and friends, yeah, and family. That's, I think, what I appreciate about Caesar. you know, adding to the podcast. Like, if you notice at every episode at the end, he says, love y'all. Because he truly means it, and he wants to normalize men specifically saying, love you all, to others. And it was easy to say it with my mom, because my mom is also so emotional and connected with her emotion that she will say, like, los amo, los quiero, to us. With my dad, it was like the first time that I said it. He was drunk and hung over. Well, he was hung over more than anything. And I was like, all right, this is my opportunity. And this was last year. So I was like, love you. <laughs> um, like, you know, yeah. And then, I, I mean, before he left, I told him, thank you for teaching me to love nature, to love the world. I mean, he grew up in El Rancho. And I said, te amo, which to me, te amo in Spanish, I don't know, for me, it has a higher value or just has more to it than an I love you just because people be throwing I love you left and right but do they actually mean it so when I feel like people say te amo it's like wow you don't have many of those but it's definitely easier to say it around friends when friends are okay with hearing it hmm. that's true sometimes it's easier with someone you've made a bond with whether it's a friendship bond or a relationship bond my ex-husband is from El Salvador and a very traditional Catholic family. So it was a struggle to fit into my gender role. Now, a little bit of history on you guys. How did you guys meet and um, when did that start? 2012, college, and we're both fraternity brothers. Okay. That's when I started dabbling in the fraternity and he was already in. Okay. Which fraternity was it? Sigma Lambda Beta. I'm very prideful about it. <laughs> yeah. One. Purple, purple guys. <laughs> Royal purple, pure white, eh? No se te olvide. Okay. <laughs> He's over here embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed by anything. I want to thank you guys for coming on and sharing with us and sharing your experiences as men, um, just to share and just normalize it, like in all cultures and in all genders and in all you know generations. No, thank you guys for having us on. Really appreciate it. Hey, do you have any last words or comments? Don't mind if I do. Uh, no, thank you. I speak for myself, and then I'll let Caesar speak. Gracias. What you guys are doing is great. I'm excited to see where this goes, and then I'm excited for people listening to this. If they want to check out at Salud Podcast, 
um, on our Instagram or our own podcast and hear what we're about, then that would be amazing too. Just because at the end of the day, there's a piece of cake for everybody. We're about sharing our stories more than anything and helping our community through storytelling. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you guys expressing yourselves as introverts because there's definitely a huge community out there and people want to hear more about it, right? And again, normalize the things that you're going through and what a segment that I love about this podcast is the mental health check-in and I'm like huh I need to do that more often with people that's powerful yeah we really wanted to focus with our cultural backgrounds bringing that more to light you know because that's something I know in my own community where at least in the media it's like all extrovert 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 it's like well not all of us are <laughs> Thank you for spending time with us. If you have questions or a story you'd like to share, email us at wallflowersinbloom2020 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at wallflowers underscore in underscore bloom and search for us on Facebook under Wallflowers in Bloom. If you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and CastBox. Until next time.